Welcome to Massive Late Fee, and now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Hello everyone, welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark, with me as always is my girlfriend Carol. How you doing Carol? Hey, what's up? This is February 5th, 1994, and uh, just a little bit of news today. Uh, I bought a new CD player. It's a CD player tape combo, and... I bought a new CD, just came out, by a band called Green Day. Had never really heard of them before, but a lot of people have bought this this CD. Ducky! Yeah, and it's it's great. I really enjoy it. I've been listening to it pretty much nonstop. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, Carol bought it too, uh, and we've just been listening to it. And it is, it's it's funny, it's a little, it's a little reminiscent of 80s punk rock a little bit but it has that 90s kind of feel to it as well so i i think uh i don't know i i love it and if they can keep producing albums like this i think they'll be around for a while what is uh what you, what's your favorite song from the album she that's a good one i like that one a lot how about you um well obviously when i come around is the big one that you hear on the radio all the time but i really like um, welcome to paradise. Yeah, that's that's a good one too. Yeah, that one that one always kind of gets me going. So yeah, uh, Dookie by Green Day. That's uh, that's the big thing. I tell you, um, this is the first CD that I've ever bought. But I will probably buy some more CDs in the future. I would imagine now that I've got the new CD player. Yeah, I've still got the tape deck, so I can use the tape deck, but. I don't know, maybe cassette tapes are on their way out. Well, yeah, because CDs uh, are so much better in the fact that you don't have to keep rewinding them all the time. And it's true. They don't get all tangled up and messed up. Yeah, yeah, I've got all the pencils to uh, to rewind the tapes once part of the tape comes out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the only the only downside is that mine skips sometimes if I, if I hit it too hard. Yeah, well, again, stop hitting it. <laughs> Sometimes it's it's you can't avoid it. Leave it alone. What are you talking about? You can't avoid it. You ever try the? That's the one the one advantage I think that tapes still have over CDs is you really can't fast forward in song. You can skip from song to song, but the only way you can fast forward on mine anyway is you have to just lightly touch the skip button, and if you lightly touch the skip button, it will it will skip ahead a little bit and fast forward it. Just stop messing with it. Let the song play. Sometimes you want to get to another point in the song, or you want to hear something over again. Sometimes I don't understand all the lyrics. Uh-huh. And not everyone has liner notes, you know. Okay, sweetie. <laughs> um, but uh, our TV picks of the week. I watched a show called Grace Under Fire. It's uh, in its first season. It was created by a man named Chuck Lorre. He used to write for Roseanne. And then he got uh, fired or he quit Roseanne. I'm not exactly sure which. And he created uh, his own show, uh, Grace Under Fire. Before this, he created a show called Franny's Turn. And it was starred a, a older British actress. I cannot remember her name for the life of me. 
but yeah, it, I can't help you there. It's, I'd never heard of this show, never seen the show. It was only it only was on I think five episodes. It was on last year on CBS, and then they canceled it. So obviously that mm-hmm. one did not do well. But Grace Under Fire has gotten a lot of uh, good, a lot of good publicity, a lot of good ratings. It stars Brett Butler. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys have Comedy Central. I know not everyone that not every one of my friends has cable anyway. And those that do, it's depends. And not all of us are rich. <laughs> I think of most people have cable though. I, I know don't you have I know cable. you don't have cable, but I think most people do. Although I do know more than just you, some people that don't have cable. However, uh I'm not sure. I know there's a couple different cable companies that service us around here, and I think Comedy Central is on one of them and not on the other one. I'm not sure. But where, where I am, on my cable company, Comedy Central is Channel 12 and MTV's Channel 13. Those are the ones I go back and forth mostly between. And you can you watch cable at my house, so... Yeah, I like watching it at your house. But, yeah, it's not the only thing you like at my house. <laughs> Don't be crass. Anyway, so... Um, Brett Butler is a stand-up comedian. She's been on... Uh, Comedy Central when they do their though those shows that they do where they just show you like you know one comedian after another kind of thing and uh, I've seen a lot of her stand up and a lot of this show is reminiscent of her stand up routine where she kind of plays the the white trash you know redneck woman okay but uh, but she's you know, she's smarter than everyone else kind of thing. Uh-huh. So she really plays into the stereotype, but, you know, she's not dumb. Like a lot of times it's stereotypically portrayed. So that's what where a lot of the comedy comes from. In this episode, she wants to get some alone time for herself from her children. Like it opens up with her in the uh, shower, taking a shower, and all of her kids plus their friend that stays over all the time, interrupt her in the shower. So she decides to turn the basement into a place where she can kind of go as a refuge. And her and her friend are going through all the stuff down there, and she finds a bunch of her old paintings that she used to do before she got married, and that she gave up once she got married. And now that she's divorced, she's looking at these paintings and thinking, oh, you know, I could. this is something that I could do again, something I really enjoyed doing. That I'd like to do for myself again. So she tries to do that, but the kids, they, you know, continuously interrupt her and everything. So she, uh, when once she finally gets them all put down and into bed, uh, she, she then tries to do it. And her friends from the plant come over and start... You know, they want to play poker. They brought all the poker stuff. Yeah, it was actually kind of a sweet gesture. Yeah. They, they know she, she wanted to have some kid-free time. Yeah. And so they showed up with the stuff because she couldn't get a babysitter. Mm-hmm. They said they'd bring the game to her. And even when she tried to turn them away, they were going to leave her a pizza. Yeah. So, so, they, so she ends up doing that, and then she goes to her friend Wade next door, who used to be in the Marines, and his... Uh, his sort of what's the word i'm looking for his um hobby 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 yeah his hobby is doing pottery and stuff like that and so he gives her some really good advice where he basically says 
distractions are only distractions when you allow yourself to be distracted by them. Makes sense to me. So, so uh, she, she basically says that, you know, if you just ignore this stuff, then you'll be able to carve out your own alone time and, and do what you want to do, which is what she ends up doing uh, in the episode. And then at the end, there's this conversation between Dave Thomas and the friend kid. And Sam. Sam, that's his name. That's right. And I don't know uh, how many of you, I'm sure most of you won't get this reference, but my dad grew up in the 30s. He was older when I was born. And um, he had these old tapes from radio shows that he listened to when he was a kid. And one of them is uh, called Fibber McGee and Molly. Yeah, most of us are not going to get this reference here. <laughs> Fibber McGee and Molly. But uh, Fibber used to talk to this character that they just called the little girl. He'd be like, oh, hello, little girl. And she would. they would have this, these conversations where he would be talking about something adult and she would be like rationalizing it as a child, basically putting it into her own frame of reference. And then at the end, there was usually some kind of like zinger joke where it was made clear that she understood what he was talking about the entire time. And there'd be like revelations, uh, you know, like good revelations that were applicable to his life from her, from her, you know, childlike point of view. And this conversation that they have at the end of the episode where Dave Thomas is talking about his divorce and having to give away half his stuff and everything. And the kid Sam is talking like a kid. It reminds me a lot of those conversations. So I think that either Chuck Lorre or one of the writers was a big fan of Fibber McGee and Molly or was inspired in some way by Fibber McGee and Molly because it really very much reminds me of that. Yeah, that's cool. But but the show is very funny. Uh, A lot of... uh, the, the writing is really good. The writing's really sharp. A lot of good jokes. Things like that. So if you haven't seen it, you know, it's in its first season. If you haven't seen Grace Under Fire on ABC, I would recommend that you tune it in. It's a really good show. Yeah. A lot of the comedy is way better than this Fibber McGee and Molly stuff that he's talking about. Don't let that change your opinion. <laughs> it's not like old-timey radio shows. You've never heard it. Yeah, I haven't. But I, I... So how would you know it's better or not? I'm, because I'm a teenager. Marion and Jim Jordan forever. What? <laughs> no, that's their real names. So, um, yeah. Real I life watched... married couple, kind of like us. We're not married yet, honey. Well, not yet, but you know, we're a real life couple. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, I watched Northern Exposure. We watched it together. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know if, I'm, I'm assuming most of you have watched this show. I love this show, and it's about um, you know this little town in Alaska, and, and it Sicily starts, starts out. It's called Sicily. That's the name of the town, yeah. Oh. Uh, but I mean, it starts out with you know the doctor um, is new there, and um, you know most of the show seems to be you know kind of just getting used to living in Alaska and getting to know the community there. But this episode is about Shelley and Holland. Howling. Howling. Um. And how she is two weeks past due. Yeah, she's huge. And she is ready to have that baby and complaining all about that. 
she's supposed to be um, flown out to have to be induced. Yeah. And she's trying to take care of last minute things, so she's doing laundry. And when she goes into the laundromat, she sees this cute little blonde girl playing Barbies, and they're kind of talking. And the little girl says that her name is Miranda, hmm. and everybody calls her Randy with an I. So um, she's like, really? You know, I was thinking about naming my daughter Miranda if I have a daughter. And um, then when she goes back again... Well, we noticed, too, um, in the credits... Oh, yeah, the little girl had this really weird the, name. The strangest name. One of the strangest names I've ever heard. And she was an adorable girl. Yeah. Uh, Kaylee... Kuoko? Kuoko, yeah. Kaylee, Ku- lots Kuoko. of O's and U's. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, very cute little seven-year-old. So, uh, I don't know. Watch out for that name, I guess. Um, okay, so then, you know, later in the day she goes back and she sees the same little girl who is now, like, what, 11? Yeah, 12? 11 or 12, yeah. And um, playing drums. Mm-hmm. So um, she talks to her then, and um, another time she goes back, and she's like 18, and it's become obvious that it's the same girl every time, um, which makes no sense because this is all happening in one day. What What is your take on this? Well, I don't think it happens in one day. I think it doesn't. Is it one day? I, I get. It's hard to get a sense of time. I think. I think it's too separate days or two or three separate days i think it's all one day is it okay well it could because the the b story is about uh ruth the old lady and walt i think his name is and that takes place over two days yeah but i think the shelly thing happens on day two no i think it starts day one and then goes into so day you're two you're telling me she left laundry in the laundromat overnight no i think what happens is she goes to do the laundry then she goes to chain, you know, to take it out of the dryer. And then she says she's supposed to be the last day, the day that she sees the 18 year old is the day she's supposed to be flown oh, to be yeah. induced. And she wants to go back because she wants to find out what happened to the girl. Right. So she makes up this uh, this story about needing to like wash the receiving blanket or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. So I think it's over two days. Okay. But yeah, it becomes obvious that it's the same girl because when she's 18, she mentions something about the uh, the drums and Miranda says, drums? And she's like, oh yeah, I put, you know, I stopped playing with those I don't know, a long time ago and stuff. So it, it's clear it's the same Miranda. Yeah, so very weird. Um, you know, I know you mentioned you weren't sure if she's hallucinating and, you know, she mentions in the show... Um, she's asking the radio show guy if she's time, you know, if he believes in time travel. Right, which um, he immediately says yes to. Of course. <laughs> I'm sure he believes in aliens and, you know, everything else. He's he's the town hippie. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's a it's a good show. It just, you know, I don't really know what to do with that piece of it. Yeah, it's it's funny because they do this every once in a while, and it's usually centered around the radio guy's like a, a radio guy's story. Um, I can't remember his name. I know the actor's name is John Corbett, but I'm, I can't remember what his name is on the show off the top of my head. But he, uh, I wish there was a way you could look stuff like that up. Right? Because there's, there's so many times when I can't think of an actor's name or a character's name, and I just, you know, you just have to like, either you, you have to wait till you see the show again, 
or like if it's a movie and you can't see it right away because it's not in theaters anymore and it hasn't come to a videotape yet, then you just have to kind of, you just have to ask people right. and try to figure it out. But um, anyway, so they usually center those stories around his character. Obviously, this one isn't, although he plays a minor role in it. But um, yeah, because the show's mostly grounded. Every once in a while, they'll do something like this where it's sort of supernaturally or otherworldly and you're not exactly sure. And so I don't know. I don't know if it, if this is just a hallucination she's having or if she um, if she's actually seeing this, if this is really happening. Well, I mean, it's like they're interacting. It's not it's not like she's just having a vision of it. Well, people can it. interact with hallucinations. No, I know, but I'm just thinking about the time travel thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. She's not just observing it. Yeah, I mean, it's really bizarre. And I guess it implies that uh, her daughter lives in this town when she's older, too. Yeah. By the way. But she's going to Texas to be a cheerleader. Yeah, to be a Dallas... uh, She's trying out for the Dallas Cowboys cheerleading squad. So, I don't know if that's 18 years from now. What's 18 years from now? That's 2012? 2002? No. 2002, that's right. No, you know. No, 94. 10 years from now is 2004. 2012, you're right. So 2012, okay. So that means in 2012, she'd be 18. Got 2012, can you imagine? Uh, She'd be 18. Flying cars. Right. And um, so she'd be 18 and trying out for the Dallas Cowboys thing. So, you know, I don't know if the Cowboys will still be good in 2012. Obviously, they're great now. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, so she, the one thing is, is she says that when she goes to see her the last time, she says, oh, you know, today's my birthday. And she says, I was born at five o'clock happy hour because I was born above a bar. So she, and that's what happens. Shelly goes back and she says that she's not taking the plane. She's ready to give birth now. She goes upstairs to where her and Holling live, and Dr. Fleischman help her deliver the baby, which is born at 5 o'clock. So she correctly predicts where she's going to be born and, and what time. Now, you know, you could say that proves that it's actually some sort of time travel thing, or you could say that, you know, Shelly's pregnant and her body was basically telling her we're ready to give birth right. kind of thing. So it still sort of leaves it ambiguous, although I guess it kind of leans towards it being real, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's where they're trying to get us to go. I think we're suspending disbelief here. Yeah. So, but, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we're on season four here of uh, of Northern Exposure. I've liked this show for a long time, since basically the beginning. Yeah, me too. Love it. Um, and it's, it's definitely, it's, it's a good show and this is a good episode. Maybe not the best episode of the show I've ever seen, but it's a good, it's a good episode. A a lot of it focuses on Shelly and a little bit on Holling. I I like, I tend to like the episodes a little more where they focus on the doctor a little more. There is a, like a, I I don't even, you can't even call it a B story. I think it's maybe a C story of, Mm. uh, Dr. Fleischman and Maggie. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh trying to t- t- show she that she catches him trying to chop wood by running it over with his chalk. Right. 
And then she shows him up in, in the macho area by uh, getting out her chainsaw and taking care of it for him. Yeah, he says that most of the injuries he deals with in this time of year are chainsaw related, so he doesn't want to use a chainsaw. Yeah, he's kind of a pussy. <laughs> what he is! Yeah, but I mean, he's he's uh, an intellect, you know? That's He's a doctor, he uses his brain, that's, that's what his character is. But... Uh, yeah, so they, you know, they kind of realize, or Maggie kind of realizes that they're always competing with each other. Mm-hmm. They have a very combative relationship. So she's not sure exactly how to deal with that. She talks to that kid that runs the store. That really long-haired kid. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the uh, the native Alaskans. There's some native Alaskans mixed with the white people. Yeah. And then the... um. The other story in this one is with Ruth Ann and Walt, where Walt goes with her to pick up some cabinets, Mm -hmm. and then the car breaks down and they're stuck in Alaska in the middle of the night together out in the wilderness, Yeah, which could have gone so much better for him, but did not. (laughs) Right. Because he does end up expressing to her that he is interested in her, but in the most frustrated way. It was so cute, though. I'm wearing my church shoes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I hope that they get together. I think they would be cute. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, check out Northern Exposure, uh, if you haven't seen it yet. Very good show. You know, it's one of those shows where you don't, there are some, some elements of stories that carry over week to week. Like, I'm sure that Shelley and Holling's baby will appear in other episodes. Right? And, <laughs> and that, you know, there are, so there are some things like that in the relationships that carry over from week to week. But for the most part, it's one of those where you can watch it and, you know, you, you, it doesn't matter where you come in at. Yeah. Uh, but our main topic today is we, we went to the theater and we saw the number one movie in America, Ugh. Ace Ventura Pet Detective, starring uh, In Living Color's own Jim Carrey. I've got to stop letting you pick. <clears throat> I'm telling you, you picked Intersection. <laughs> Intersection was better than this. Oh my God, you are you are out of your mind. Nope. So, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, we're going to... Well, actually, there is a lot to spoil here, because it is, it's a mystery. It's a comedy, but also a mystery movie. Uh, the film, as I said, stars Jim Carrey, Sean Young, Tone Loke, the rapper, plays a role in it. Uh, Dan Marino has a small role in the movie as well. And a woman named Courtney Cox. She, the only thing I really know her from is on MTV. There's that, well, anyway, it hasn't been on for a while. But the Dancing in the Dark music video. Okay. uh, Bruce Springsteen. She was the girl in the audience that comes up on stage and dances with him. Again, you know, you gotta have cable to have seen this. Right. But that's the only thing I know her from. Uh, anyway, so the movie, uh, I think, I'll tell you what I think of it. Well, let me tell you what the plot is first. Jim Carrey plays a pet detective, a man who finds lost pets, basically. Which is so weird that this is a universe in which that's a viable career option. Right? To find lost pets. But that's what his job is. And 
he is he it's it's sort of the inverse of Inspector Gadget or like Get Smart. I know I talk about Get Smart a lot, but it's or Remington Steel. That was another one that I liked too. Where those are situations where the detective or the private eye or the spy or whatever it is is really dumb, but they project this I know what I'm doing. I'm the one in charge kind of persona and there's someone in the background that's actually doing the real work. In this one, he acts like a fool and everyone thinks of him as a fool, but he's actually smarter than most everyone else. So it's sort of the inverse of that. But what happens is is someone kidnaps Snowflake, the Miami Dolphins mascot dolphin, which I don't I don't watch a lot of Miami Dolphins games, so I'm not sure if they actually have a live dolphin as their mascot. I don't think they do. That seems like some kind of like violation of something. I, I, I would think so, yeah. I mean, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I'm not sure. But I don't think they have an actual live dolphin. But anyway, so someone steals it from its pool, its tank, at uh, Miami's facility. And they call in Ace Ventura, as well as the police, to try to find this missing dolphin. And eventually Dan Marino gets kidnapped as well. One of the people who works for the Miami organization ends up getting killed. And eventually Ace Ventura figures out the the mystery. The point of this movie seems to be to be a funny comedy and a vehicle for Jim Carrey doing a lot of voices and characters and stuff with his face. Yeah, but he does. It's stupid. It's too over the top. Now, this is a problem that Carol and I have sometimes. Carol doesn't like stupid humor. She doesn't get into it. And a lot of the comedies that come out now are on the more silly, over-the-top side. I think there's a place for them. Carol hates them. Alrighty, then. (laughs) He does say that a few times. It's stupid. But it's funny. How is that funny? And the stuff that he's doing with his face and, and, you know, like, uh, he bends over and... And talks with his ass. Yeah. Because he is an ass. It's hilarious. And I want to know how he got Courtney Cox's character to sleep with him. She is a stone cold fox, okay? Apparently he's really good at it, too. And, yeah, apparently. But, and that's another thing that's over the top. And ridiculous. I mean, everything in this movie is done too big. Well, I, I think that's the point of it. The point of it is to be big and garish. and Dumb. But dumb. it's a kind of a smart movie, too, in a way. The mystery is sort of smart. The mystery is dumb, too. <laughs> everything about it, dumb. Well, the movie starts out where, like I said, they kidnap the dolphin. They call in Ace Ventura. He investigates he finds a a garnet i think he said it was some kind of stone i don't remember what kind of stone it was some kind of stone it's a rare the cut is very rare and it was part of the miami dolphins afc championship ring so he basically says okay so whoever did this has one of those rings so he goes and he investigates basically everyone who has one of those rings 
and he can't find it. He can't find it. And then he sees a picture of the kicker, Ray Finkel, who wasn't in the pic. It wasn't in the picture that he was looking at because the picture he was looking at was taken earlier in the year and Ray Finkel wasn't added to the roster till later in the year. But he did get one of those rings because he was part of the AFC Championship team. So he says, okay, so it must be this person. So he goes on a search to try to find this Ray Finkel. The entire time, Sean Young's character, who is a lieutenant in the police department, Lieutenant Einhorn, she's kind of the antagonist to him the entire time. She thinks he's an idiot and everything. Because he is. It turns out that Ray Finkel stole the identity of this hiker who was missing called Lois Einhorn. And basically, the male kicker became a woman. So Sean Young's character is supposed to be a man. See, also dominant over the top. Which is, I don't know if uh, if that's offensive to Sean Young or, or what. But I mean, could you imagine being a woman... Because Sean Young obviously is a woman. Uh, being a Named wo- Sean. Yeah, but she's a woman. I'm just saying. She was in Blade Runner. Anyway. But anyway, so she's a woman, but she's supposed to be a woman playing a man. Do you think, do you think that's offensive to her? If it was, then she wouldn't have taken the role. Wow, it's not like she's getting a ton of work nowadays. But would you, would you if you were an actress, would that offend you? No. That you're supposed to be playing someone that's a, really a man? Maybe. Maybe a little. That's what I'm saying. But, so I think it's a little offensive in that way. But, uh, anyway, so, at one point, she kisses Ace, and then he finds out that she's a man, and, you know, he's he's squirting toothpaste into his mouth and throwing up and stuff yep. like that. It's hilarious. Over the top. But it's hilarious. Didn't make me laugh once. Ugh. I, I, don't, I don't get you. The, the movie is... Is it's just the whole thing, like like I said, the whole thing is an excuse for Jim Carrey to be as loud and as garish, and you know he's got that rubber face and all those the funny ways that he says things. It's just there's so many good jokes in this movie. Well, you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I didn't. And I think there are many people out there who would agree with me. Not as many who as who agree with you. New England clam chowder. No. Which is white, not red. That's what he says. He gets it right. Yeah, but he hesitated. Like, who doesn't know that? <laughs> well, a lot of people, see, in this area of the country, we eat New England clam chowder mostly. We don't eat. Do you even do you know what the red one's called? Isn't it just called clam chowder? It's Manhattan. Uh-huh. There's New England clam chowder and Manhattan clam chowder. Okay. And Manhattan clam chowder is the red sauce. Okay. Have you ever had that in your life? No. Yeah. See, that's the thing is that's a very East Coast thing. But uh, but they're in Florida too, so I don't I don't know if I don't think there's a lot of it in Florida either. I think it's almost exclusively East Coast as far as I know. But anyway, off of the clam chowder. Which is weird because, you know, they're both on the East Coast. New England and um, yeah, and Manhattan. New, New England's the one that's proliferated. Like, I think everyone's had New England clam chowder before. Yeah, I'm just saying both both places mentioned in the names are East Coast. I, I just think one's more provincial than the other one. 
guess. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like, alrighty then. You know, like, the, the. Annoying. But the way he says it is so funny. And every time you do Loser. that, it makes me want to hit you in the face. <laughs> there are so many people in the school. And around and outside, friends of mine and stuff like that. They are doing that all the time. I know. And I want to hit them too. (laughs) It's so annoying. I wish I could just ban this movie and erase it from all their brains so I would stop him to hear ten times again. Alrighty then. It's so funny. I don't know if I will ever get sick of him doing this. Oh, trust me. I don't know what his next movie is going to be, although I do... I heard that he has another movie coming out this year. I'm not seeing any other movies by him ever. <laughs> Never. We might have to. You can enjoy it. Oh, so I will talk about it alone. Yep. We'll do dueling movies. Carol does her uh Carol does her her serious drama movie and I'll do uh, my comedy movie. Correct, sir. Okay. You can't think of one joke that you thought was funny in this movie? No. What about when they go to the insane asylum that Ray Finkel was supposed to be at and he's pretending to be a football player and he does the slow motion thing and... No. No? No, no. good? Laces out? <laughs> when... that, oh my God, that was annoying too. <laughs> when when he goes to Ray Finkel's parents' house and uh, <laughs> the woman says... Uh, Talks about how what a wonderful uh, boy her son is, and then she says that Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and burn in hell. Okay, that was a little funny. That <laughs> I'll give you. And then he goes, she brings him cookies, and he says, uh, "Oh look, the little footballs." The way he says that is so funny. With the laces out, little footballs. Oh, <laughs> uh, but this to okay. So obviously, this movie didn't work for Carol. If it works for you, it's going to work on the the level of slapstick. I mean, it's almost like, and I don't like the Three Stooges. Because I don't like a lot of that, you know, all that stuff. But um, that's him. That's Jim Carrey. Right I know, there. and maybe, maybe it's just because it's the 90s version of that and I connect with that more or what. But I don't like the, th- but that, I mean, that's the only thing I can really equate it to. It's sort of like a single person doing the Three Stooges but now. Okay. I think it was a quality film. Carol doesn't like it. It's the number one movie in America. So all of you are idiots. Wow. Way to alienate the audience. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that is Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. I loved it. Carol hated it. And go see it and judge for yourself. Although it looks like a lot of you have. So what's the blockbuster movie? I'm sorry. No, what, go ahead. What's the blockbuster movie this week? I So. I didn't see it. Our blockbuster pick of the week. I haven't actually rented this. I saw this in the theater. One of the few. Because this did not do well in the theater. There were not a lot of good choices this week, people. No, Mr. Nanny was out there. Uh, the one with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> And a bunch of kids' movies. Well, there was a lot of Walt Disney releases on the new release shelf. Yeah. Uh, I think Walt Disney did a lot of their re-releases and, and stuff like that uh, This you know around this time. And then, I'm trying to think what else, what else was on the new release shelf. There was some other crappy ones I'd never even really heard of. But uh, I am going to pick 
California with a K. Now, <laughs> what? This is another just the look on your face. Uh. Um, this is another uh, broad slapstick comedy. No, it's not. Um, I don't, like I said, this did not do well in the theater, so I'm sure a lot of you haven't seen this film. I'm not going to ruin this film so that you guys can go out to Blockbuster and rent it for yourselves and take a look. But the movie stars David Duchovny, who you know is in that, that show The X-Files now. Um, but this is before that, because obviously, because this came out last year. But it stars David Duchovny, Juliette Lewis, Brad Pitt, and oh, I cannot remember the uh, the other woman's name—the one that plays David Duchovny's girlfriend. No idea, babe. But David Duchovny and his girlfriend are—he's a journalist who writes about serial killers, and she's a photographer. They decide that they're going to move to California and he convinces her that what they should do is take a road trip to California where they stop at all the sites of different mass murders around the country she can take pictures he can write articles about it and maybe they can put it into a book that they could sell so along the way they discover that they don't really have enough money to get there so they need somebody to ride share with them to share the cost of the gas and they'll give them a free, you know, free ride to, well, not free, but they'll let them ride in their car to California with them. So they pick up Brad Pitt, who is on parole, and his girlfriend, uh, uh, Julia, or uh, what's, it, what's her name? I just said her name. Juliette Lewis. So they, they pick them up, and it turns out that Brad Pitt is a psychopath. Like, Brad Pitt's character, they were staying in this trailer, Juliette Lewis, his girlfriend, is like a child person, like a child woman, basically. She's Weird. she's sort of she she's she's not mentally handicapped, but she has been severely sheltered and it seems like abused, and she hasn't fully developed mentally, basically. Okay. So they they pick them up, and before they do, Brad Pitt's a landlord had been complaining about how he hadn't gotten the rent from him in a while and he just kept bugging him about it so before they leave brad pitt kills him and buries that seems like an appropriate response right so it's clear that brad pitt is a psychopath so they're they're going along on this trip and there's there's a part where they come to this bar and someone's making fun of David Duchovny, the, like how he's dressed and everything. And Brad Pitt ends up kicking this guy almost to death in defense of him. So they, they start bonding. Basically, without ruining anything, most of this movie takes place on the road during this road trip. And it becomes slowly clear that Brad Pitt's crazy and his girlfriend and he abuses his girlfriend and, and stuff like this. And... David Duchovny's character, Brian, who's a middle-class, yuppie kind of guy, like his girlfriend, they're, they're both in that same mold socially. And Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis are like trailer trash. Okay. Uh, but he starts to become fascinated with him. He doesn't want to be a part of the killing or anything like that. But he it's like thrills him to be this close to 
this kind of person and this lawless sort of, you know, I don't care about anybody and I'll kill anyone kind of person. So they form this bizarre relationship where he's kind of obsessed with Brad Pitt's character. And that's a lot of what drives the movie. Instead of it being like David Duchovny finds out, oh my God, this guy's a killer. We've got to get out of here. We've got to, you know, we've got to turn him into the police or anything like that. It's a much smarter movie like that where where it's just, it's about his fascination with him and, and, and everything at an arm's length kind of fascination. And the acting is what really elevates this movie even more than, a, than an already very solid script and very good directing job. Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis give two of the best performances I've ever seen. They are, they're phenomenal. And they really, they, you, you forget, you, you, you don't even think about them as characters. You know, you think about them as real people. Okay. It's a transformative kind of <clears throat> acting, acting uh, job that both of them do. They are, they're far and away the best performance I saw from, from that year from 1993 so i mean it's just the movie is it's one of those disturbing but also really satisfying films so now i want to watch it and um i'm gonna have to run out as soon as you're done with this and rent it before everybody else gets to watch it right because that sounds actually really good yeah it's a it's a really good film and i would recommend it to anybody I don't know how many copies they have at Blockbuster, but if they don't have any left when you get there, then you'll have to wait for Carol to return it. Sometimes she can be bad about that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, hence the massive late fee moniker. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that is our show for this week, February 5th, 1994. Uh, join us next week when we'll be talking about something. And <laughs> join us the week after that when we'll be talking about something else. But uh, I hope you have a good week, everybody, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.